about the Toronto that I remember. The level of violence that's been taking place in the city is a problem. The concerns by the public amid calls for action by officials as Toronto once again deals with the fallout of violence on our transit system. Good evening. We begin with an anxious day for TTC commuters in the aftermath of a terrible scene at one of the city's busiest train stations. Many in the High Park area feeling unease about their commute today following yesterday's fatal midday stabbing on a subway. CTV's Mike Walker joins us now with more on the mood there tonight and what we now know about the attack. Mike. Well, Michelle, Nathan, riders we've been speaking with today are rattled, and the union representing transit workers renewing its calls to have the TTC and the city enhance security measures after this fatal stabbing. And police are confirming tonight the victim did not know her alleged attacker. Bus and subway service resuming at High Park Station, but riders are on edge following a deadly stabbing Thursday afternoon. It's very scary, and when I set out this morning at about 8 o'clock, that's all I could think about. Toronto police say two women were stabbed on the subway shortly after 2 p.m. One woman died in hospital, 31-year-old Vanessa Kurpuska. The second victim, a 37-year-old, was treated for non-life-threatening injuries and has been released from hospital. It could have been me. It could have been anybody. This woman says she was on the subway in a different car when the violent attack happened. From the time the train stopped, everybody was running and screaming. It was not pretty. And it's very terrifying. Police have charged 52-year-old Nang Jai Jin of Toronto with first-degree murder and attempted murder. It appears that the suspect and the victims were not known to each other. This stabbing is the latest in a string of random and violent attacks on the TTC this year. In June, a woman was killed after being set on fire on a bus at Kipling Station. In April, a woman suffered a broken rib after she was pushed onto the tracks at Young and Bluer and narrowly missed being struck by a train. That same month at St. George Station, a man was stabbed in the neck and survived. This has to stop. And we're waiting for these solutions to come forward. The union representing transit workers renewing calls for action from the city and TTC to develop a plan to improve security. The TTC has become a, a safety net for a number of issues that transit workers were not hired to deal with. Transit riders should not be dealing with. People, again, underhoused, mental wellness in the system. It's a problem that's not being addressed. According to the latest TTC report, offenses against customers was 1.6 per 1 million boardings in September, while the number against staff was just over 7 per 100 employees, a more than 5% increase from the same time last year. It was a, 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 a tragedy, uh, and so I, I don't underestimate that at all. But the TTC remains a very safe system. Mayor John Tory says work is ongoing to improve safety. That includes hiring nearly 60 additional special constables. There's also discussion at the present time about having some additional resources uh, that will be in the budget for next year. The mayor adds more needs to be done to address mental health and bail reform. In this latest case, police did not reveal a possible motive. Now, the accused appeared in court this morning and remains in police custody until his next court appearance on December 14th. The mayor says he'll be meeting with TTC officials and the police chief next week to discuss what other safety measures could be implemented. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker. Back to you. Thank you, Mike. 11 years in, $1 billion over budget, and still no sign of when the Eglinton Crosstown LRT will be complete. And now a leaked document to city council suggests Metrolinx has no plan or even clue about when the job will finally get done. CTV's Janice Golding has the story. 
Jessica Spector shows us around L.A. Tan at Young and Eglinton. It's actually quite relaxing in there. It's the lunch hour, but only one of 12 beds is being used. We used to get maybe like 60 clients a day. Inspector says the business, which has been around for two decades, has never seen so few customers. And she blames the Eglinton Crosstown LRT construction. A lot of our business relies on walk-ins and people walking through. Construction on the 25-stop 19-kilometer light rail line began in 2011. It was supposed to be completed in 2020. Now it is clear, based on a whistleblower leaking a document to us, that they have no idea when this is going to be completed because they have no idea how to complete it. Standing in front of the ongoing construction with a confidential document in hand, two city councillors announced today they'll be calling for a public inquiry. This is now up to $12.8 billion. It started out at $5.6. It is just the biggest boondoggle in Canadian construction history. Councillors Josh Matlow and Mike Cole, who shared the leaked document with the media, say it confirms what they most feared. You will see the word failure after failure after failure, unresolved issues. They don't know how to transfer the platforms. They don't know when they're going to complete the station boxes. They can't figure out the safety issues. They can't figure out the flooding issues. They can't basically give us answers of an end date. The provincial transportation minister acknowledged the community's exasperation today. Our government has been clear with Metrolinks and Crosslinks. We want it to open as soon as possible. People are frustrated. But did not commit to a timeline. The city's mayor, meanwhile, spoke out against an inquiry. I think public inquiries, generally speaking, in instances like this, only are good for lawyers. But Matt Lowe and Cole say an inquiry could help find solutions and ultimately save taxpayers money. And this is a red light therapy booth. While politicians debate the matter, local businesses say they're holding on as long as they can. We're lucky to actually still be open. But admit they are not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Janice Golding, CTV News. In a response tonight to CTV News Toronto, Metrolink's officials say they are working to get the Eglinton Crosstown LRT open as soon as possible, and they will push Crosslink's transit solutions to ensure this project is completed. A healer, not a dealer. The judge called his story too fantastic to believe. The tale the man charged in the biggest drug and gun bust in Toronto history told the court and his sentence. That's coming up. While construction stalls on Eglinton, major upgrades are coming down the track for Bloor Young Subway Station. This investment is really going to make the lives of a lot of people who live in my riding and across this wonderful city much, much better. All levels of government are committing up to $1.5 billion to expand and rehabilitate the city's busiest subway stop. The work will include a second platform for Line 2 and new accessibility features. New efforts tonight to curb violence across Toronto's schools. The city's board has been meeting this week on the issue, speaking with dozens of stakeholders. But as CTV's Allison Hurst report, some parents and students are asking for the one thing officials are not willing to act on. Leaving school is a bit of a relief, says grade 12 student Georgina Kabiru. I'm kind of scared to come to school, knowing that anything can happen at any moment. She was inside last week when David and Mary Thompson Collegiate went into lockdown. I was scared. I was very, very scared. But I wish there were police officers like surrounding maybe the school just in case of anything, just for us to feel safe. 
That's a wish Basil Ariabi echoes. This school saw a deadly shooting in February. A grade 12 student was gunned down near the back doors of the school. We say maybe because that's happened in the past, they're going to take some action to, you know, to avoid it in the future. But that didn't happen. He says both of his kids have asked to transfer. As long as there is a police guy inside, police officer inside the, the, the schools, I think that will, will give the, everybody inside, the teachers, the management, the kids themselves, they will feel secure. There is someone here to protect them. Trustee McLean. But that's not part of the school board's plan at this point. Parents, students and staff are traumatized. School are in chaos. Safety was at the center of numerous school board meetings this week. Staff listened to dozens of delegates from parents to community activists. We too are concerned about the rise in incidents and, and we're trying to, uh, to address that as quickly as possible. Today, the school board passed two motions. One that requests more than $2 million in provincial funding be reinstated for youth-based programs outside school hours. And the other establishes safety councils in priority areas across the city. We also spoke to uh, more concrete steps like uh, looking at security cameras, making sure that we have the technology in place. Tai Su La says he's satisfied with the steps the board is taking, but he still worries about his kids' safety. Every day before they go to school, I have to pray for them to be a safety. And that they come home. Alison Hurst, CTV News, Toronto. The man accused of killing two Toronto women in the 80s made his first court appearance today. Joseph George Sutherland appeared virtually from his cell at the Toronto South Detention Centre. He's charged with first-degree murder in the deaths of Aaron Gilmore and Susan Tice. The two were sexually assaulted and stabbed to death in 1983. Police say Sutherland was arrested in November thanks to advancements in DNA technology. His case was put over so he could find legal aid. He's scheduled to appear again a week from today. A live look at Canada's Wonderland tonight as people take in this year's Winterfest. If you are heading out, better grab a heavy coat to sweater and a toque would be a great idea because temperatures are feeling more like a normal December this evening. Inside and in Oakville with a first look at the weather is our Lindsay Morrison along with CTV's Andrea Case, a fabulous duo tonight. Hello. Good evening. Good evening, Michelle. Yeah, we're keeping each other nice and warm in here tonight for good reason. We are here celebrating and building a toy mountain. Yeah, Andrea Case is back with us. And Andrea, it's so great to have you here in Oakville. It's a thrill to be here. And one thing the viewers don't know, this is Lindsay's mall. When she was growing up, Lindsay grew up near here, and this is her mall. So she's like going down memory lane today. But we've got other people here with us today who are also helping us build a toy mountain. We do. In fact, I'm going to talk to Carl here for a second. Carl, Thanks for having us here in Oakville at um, Oakville Place. Yes, we're glad to have you. Welcome to Oakville Place. We're happy to have the toy drop every year for the Salvation Army, so we welcome them as well. Uh, it's just a fantastic thing that Halton Region and Oakville especially have really donated well over the years. Everybody is caring in this area. Fantastic. And we've been watching people drop off toys all day long. In fact, we have a couple of special guests here to drop off toys. We have MP Adam Vancouverton and MP Anita Anand. Welcome. Thank you for bringing these toys. And you know what, Andrea, it's a little bit chilly outside tonight. It is chilly. So why do you decide to drop off toys today? Well, I grew up in Oakville, and this mall means a lot to me, but so does our community. And making sure that everybody's got something special under the tree uh, this year is an important priority. And yeah, I just uh, I love our community, and I want to make sure everybody has a good Christmas. Real quick. Definitely. Season of giving. I'm the member of parliament here. Couldn't be happier to be at the Oakville Place Mall. Wonderful. Let's give the microphone back to Lindsay. 
Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the weather very quickly because it is chilly outside tonight. Let's take a look first at the current temperatures. It is uh, feeling into minus single territory. However, factor in those winds and it's going to feel like the minus double digits through the overnight hours tonight. A little bit of snow in Windsor. We have snow headed our way this weekend. We'll talk about that as we continue to build a toy mountain. And Andrea, we have a special guest coming up a little bit later we on the certainly show. certainly do. This is what we call a tease for the viewers at home. You want to stay tuned to CTV News Toronto. And uh, we're going to have someone very special coming by. And we'll be talking to that person a little later on. Linz? We'll be right back. Back to you. We look forward to it. Thank you both. Well, four people are recovering tonight following an incredible scene along the 401 caught by our CTV News shopper. Police say four vehicles collided in the westbound transfer lanes near White's Road in Pickering. The impact caused one car to flip and, as you can see, catch fire. Police say the injuries are not life-threatening. They're investigating just what caused this crash. A follow-up to a CTV News investigation. A judge has rejected the testimony of a so-called bioenergy healer arrested as part of the largest single-day drug and gun bust in Toronto history. As John Woodward reports, the accused claimed he didn't know the stash was in his apartment. Well, the judge didn't buy it. One of the many bricks of cocaine found in Daniel Dubayek's apartment was stamped with the word lucky, though the testimony of the self-described bioenergy healer was that he was anything but. In November 2020, police swooped into his unassuming Etobicoke apartment. Court exhibits obtained by CTV News showed dozens of guns and millions of dollars worth of cocaine and other drugs. At the time, the largest single-day seizure of drugs and guns in Toronto police history. My investigators tell me it was very calm, uh, very cooperative. Um, again, this didn't really say too much and kind of uh, knew the, you know, his, uh, his day had come. Dubayek testified that he was as surprised as anyone to find them there, saying he was a simple painter who fostered parrots and posted memes skeptical of COVID-19 public health measures. He blamed his roommate, RJ, who paid monthly for a room marked Vandalay Industries, a reference to the TV show Seinfeld, where most of the drugs were found. You're telling us, in essence, you are the most unlucky person ever, asked Crown Counsel Aaron Panzer in cross-examination. I'm telling you what the facts are, Dubayek responded. Justice Andrus Schreck sided with the Crown, saying inconsistencies in Dubayek's testimony made him impossible to believe, saying Mr. Dubayek's account is so fantastic it defies credulity. Pointing to inconsistencies around a handwritten note Dubayek made that police said was consistent with a drug debt list and concluding no one would have put such valuable contraband in his apartment without him knowing. Mr. Dubayek was not being truthful. Because of his attempt to mislead the court on this issue, I reject it entirely, the judge said. Justice Shrek found Dubayek guilty on all 73 counts. As the verdict was being read out, Dubayek sat still, looking straight at the judge, barely moving. Authorities never tracked down RJ. The court heard police watched this man move heavy bags from a vehicle to the apartment that morning, but he doesn't appear to have been charged. That man perhaps luckier than Dubayek, who may face decades in jail. But the judge's guilty verdict implies Dubayek made his own luck. John Woodward, CTV News. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. Feeling the ease instead of the squeeze. The price at the pump will go down again tomorrow to levels not seen in a year. What's fueling the big drop and how long will it last? That's coming up. Arrests have been made in the case of a fatal stabbing on the Danforth Tuesday. Police have charged a 30-year-old man with second-degree murder for killing 
Nicola Majorano. They've also charged a 23-year-old with being an accessory after the fact. Both appeared in court today. Majorano was found badly hurt at an apartment near Danforth and Greenwood. The 57-year-old died later in hospital. A young woman who was stabbed outside an Oshawa bar over the weekend has died. Police say the 19-year-old was attacked early Sunday and was taken to hospital. The suspect's getting away in a black pickup truck. Police are now appealing for witnesses and dash cam or cell phone footage. The country's premiers have a message for the prime minister tonight. Meet us in the middle over health care. The group had gathered to discuss ways to curb the health care crisis hitting hospitals and systems across the country. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now with more on the meeting. Siobhan. As far as premiers are concerned, more money from Ottawa is the cure to what ails the health care system. The feds are willing to listen, but say they need to see some proof about how that money would help. From B.C. to Newfoundland and Labrador. High quality health care services will always be a top priority for all premiers. It's what drew Canada's provincial and territorial leaders together for a virtual summit renewing their call on Ottawa to pitch in more to cover the cost of delivering health care. We're getting 22%. These provinces, all the provinces and territories, are paying 78%. It's unacceptable. The premiers are demanding a group meeting with the prime minister to hammer out a deal. Set a date early this year uh, coming up, sometime in January, and nothing should be more important to the prime minister than meeting with the 13 premiers. Well, the prime minister meets with premiers almost every week. The federal health minister couldn't say if his boss will convene a meeting. The prime minister will obviously do what he wants to do. What he has asked me to do is to work with my colleagues, health ministers, to agree on the results and putting, therefore, the ends before the means. The feds have offered more cash if there are tangible commitments to increase access to family doctors, mental health supports, and clearing surgical backlogs. We need the flexibility to transfer from maybe one area to the other. All, all provinces uh, aren't equal when it comes to uh, what they need in their health care. Duclos says a real health plan is needed. If dollars were enough, then we would have solved this problem, that, uh, this crisis that we're seeing a long time ago. Pointing out that many provinces are sitting on unspent money. We had a small surplus, but I can assure you, with the health care spending and the money we're putting into health care, we're looking at a deficit uh, next year, the following year, and the following year. Ontario's budget watchdog says the government spent $859 million less than planned on health in the first half of this year. All of this comes as children's hospitals in particular are under extraordinary pressure. Doctors in those hospitals say all this squabbling over money isn't doing much to help. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Siobhan. The Canadian Medical Association is urging governments and the public to do more to protect children amid a surge in respiratory illness. The CMA says an unprecedented number of children and youth across the country are gravely ill, and resources needed to provide quality care are stretched thin. The group is calling for reform of the health care system and for Canadians to get vaccinated, mask up indoors, and stay home when sick. 
The province now says hundreds of thousands of Ontarians were impacted in a data breach last year involving the COVID-19 vaccine booking portal. The province uses a database called COVAX On to manage COVID vaccine appointments and records. In November of 2021, two suspects were charged with breaching the system. Police later uncovered sensitive data on the laptop of one of the accused. Officials today said information on around 360,000 Ontarians was located. The vast majority had their names and phone numbers revealed. Email notices are being sent to anyone who was impacted. And multi-platform writer Hannah Alberga has more details on this data breach and how to figure out if your information was impacted. You can find her coverage on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. Just days after Democrats secured a bigger majority in the U.S. Senate, one caucus member is stepping away from the party. I've decided to leave that partisan process and really just focus on the work that I think matters to Arizona and to our country, which is solving problems and getting things done. Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema often butted heads with her party. She's now going to sit as an independent. But the balance of power won't change in the upper chamber. Democrats still hold a majority in the Senate, and Sinema did not rule out voting with them. Canada is slapping new sanctions on Russia, Iran and Myanmar. Officials say it's in response to gross and systemic human rights violations in those countries. People and entities with ties to Myanmar's military rulers were targeted. Ottawa also named a number of top officials in Iran's ruling regime as protests continue there. The largest number of sanctions focus on Russia and officials accused of violating the rights of anti-war demonstrators in that country. Moscow responded by sanctioning 200 Canadian citizens. Also today, American basketball star Brittany Griner touched down in the U.S. after nearly 10 months in Russian custody. She was released Thursday in a high-profile prisoner exchange for notorious arms dealer Victor Bout. The U.S. failed to win freedom for another American, Paul Whelan, who's been jailed for nearly four years. The federal government says it will stop offering most direct subsidies for oil and gas projects abroad starting next year. Ottawa faced a year-end deadline to implement the rules after committing to them at last year's climate summit in Glasgow. The policy includes exceptions to fund international projects on security, humanitarian or emergency grounds. If you're fueling up this weekend, we have some good news for you. The price of gas is on the decline, again, dropping to its cheapest levels in a very long time. CTV's John Musselman joins us live to explain the dip. John. Well, Michelle, experts say there's a, a global market's reacting to what's going on here. But for local residents, they're just viewing this as a, an early holiday present. These are some of the lowest prices we've seen at the pumps in a year, and residents say it's about time. Good thing in December they went down because it's a lot of uh, shopping and going around in a circle, right? At one time we were over the $2 a liter, you know. So it's pretty good anyway. That was too much. That was too much. There was no need for that here. The average price now hovering around 135.9 cents per liter. Prices started dropping midweek. The last time gas was this low was on December 9th, 2021. Markets are very nervous. They're, in fact, in panic mode. They think there's some kind of a recession or that lockdowns in China or that uh, increases in interest rates. All of these things are going to contribute to a significant global sh uh, slowdown. So this is probably as good as it gets. Might drop a few more pennies between now and Christmas for that early Christmas gift. This gas station on Lakeshore near Carlisle was offering an additional promotion for $0.10 cents off. 
I actually knew that it was happening, and so, yeah, that's why I came here to fill up. It's probably the cheapest that I've seen, yeah, for sure. I knew the price was going to go down by about two cents, but dropping 10 cents, that's a shock. Still, Canadians sending parcels this holiday season may be surprised to see a steep surcharge on domestic shipping, and that's due to the price of diesel. Diesel has not moved. It's still in the $2 range. It's really the global workhorse of all fuels. The fact that it hasn't dropped shows that there's tight supply. Teg says enjoy these price drops in December. You will likely see increases at the pumps in January. And before that happens, though, you could see another two cents cheaper by this time tomorrow morning. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you, Nathan. All right. Thank you, John. A Toronto man is ending the week a whole lot richer after claiming a $55 million lottery prize from over the summer. 30-year-old Nishit Parikh won the Lotto Max jackpot back in August. He says he wanted to get financial advice before accepting the windfall. Parikh says he's excited to support his family and travel, and he also joked that he can now afford to buy a house in Toronto. Please begin playing in the fall of 1995. Hoops history fans have a chance to catch award-winning feature film The Grizzly Truth this weekend. The documentary focuses on the Vancouver Grizzlies' abrupt move to Memphis in 2001 and the controversy surrounding one of their stars, Steve Francis, who refused to play in Vancouver. The screening is tomorrow at Hot Docs, Ted Rogers Cinema at 7.30 p.m. Coming up, where are they now? IKEA Monkey Edition. We catch up with Darwin, who captured hearts around the world with his stylish winter attire 10 years ago. We are live here in Oakville at Oakville Place. And Andrea, we are building a mountain of toys with a very special guest. Absolutely. We're here at Oakville Mall. And you can see there's lots of people just standing by. Brian's going to get a shot of everybody there. They are waiting for someone very special. Every year, we hope to have a special guest. And he looks like he's arriving right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, is once again joining us to build a mountain of toys. Lindsay, this is the fourth that he's at it. He's here with his son, Hadrian, um, and they're going to be making a delivery of toys, but also they're going to sit down and talk to CTV News Toronto. We'll find out what his plans are for the holiday and how he's helping us build a mountain of toys, Lindsay. As you mentioned, this has become a little bit of a family tradition for the Prime Minister, and it looks like he's greeting some wonderful families and, of course, MPs that we spoke with a little bit earlier on. Andrea, there's a couple of lucky families here that are meeting the Prime Minister because they're part of a special program. Yes, the program is called Pathway of Hope. Of course, he's also greeting his fellow MPs there and ministers. But uh, these folks have gone through the Salvation Army program, and they are success stories at the Salvation Army, and that's why he's getting a chance to meet them in person. This is CTV News Toronto. I'm Andrea Case. I'm Lindsay Morrison. We're going to be speaking with the Prime Minister in just a couple of minutes. He's making his way over here to drop off his toys, and he's helping us build a mountain of toys. Here he is live. We'll have a, a full interview with the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, after this break. With another looming shortage of Christmas trees, it's not a surprise that people cut a few corners to get their hands on one. But one Ontarian has taken that corner cutting a bit too far. CTV's Nate Vandermeer reports on the case of the snatched spruce. Something unbelievable happened at the Prescott Golf Club this week, but it was no hole-in-one. 
somebody tried to steal this tree a nine-foot-high blue spruce. It is a gorgeous tree. A blue spruce is a great tree. General Manager Steve Martineau said he got a call on Tuesday from a friend walking the course, who informed him a tree had been cut down and then dragged to the nearest road. Kind of hit it along the cattails, and he said, I think they're coming back to pick it up tonight. Martineau quickly had his maintenance crew retrieve it from the shoulder, baffled that someone would attempt to steal a tree in broad daylight. All that remains now between the 2nd Fairway and 7th Tee is just a stump. Martineau says in order to find this tree, someone must have been a member here at the golf club or had been walking through the golf course because it was dragged way over here to Highway 2, which is about 500 yards behind me. The golf club plants around 30 trees a year, and a blue spruce like this is not cheap. It's around $800, and uh, you know to get that delivered, you then have to dig the hole. There's labor involved. It's probably $1,500 putting that tree back in the ground. While an incident report has been filed with the OPP. You don't really know even quite what to do with this. <laughs> it's a no-brainer that you don't just go and go on Crown land or go on private property and cut down a tree. And just because it's Christmas, you know, it's uh, still illegal. A charge for attempted grand theft spruce, not a common one. If they'd stolen it, it would be a, a theft, and but certainly it's a mischief because they've destroyed some property. And as for any suspects... Be someone without a Christmas tree in their living room. Yeah, exactly. Anybody who doesn't have a tree... Martino says while this situation is a move the Grinch might pull, it won't put a damper on the season. We're going to try and make this a positive and uh, maybe raffle it off for, uh, to help with our handicap accessibility project that we're underway with right now. Meaning this beautiful blue spruce still has a chance to become somebody's Christmas tree after all. Nate Vandermeer, CTV News, Prescott. Well, with the season of giving in full swing, CTV News Toronto is doing what it can to help give back. Through efforts of the Salvation Army and the Toy Mountain campaign, we've seen a lot of donations so far. And we have another special one for you. Let's head back to our Andrea Case at Oakfield Place. Andrea. Good evening. Yes, I'm here with the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. And we're just watching that story and we're talking about cutting down Christmas trees when he was a kid. So let's start there, Prime Minister. Here you are. Welcome to Oakville Place and thank you for making a donation to Point Mountain. Uh, did you cut down your own tree when you were a kid? Uh, no, not this year. We, we did it from time to time as a kid up, up at the cottage uh, on a little land we have uh, north of Montreal. But they... they, they the work involved in cutting down a tree, dragging it back to the house, and it's never as nice as the ones that are grown especially for it. There's always a side that you need to put in the corner, but uh, those memories of doing things as a family, those memories of being together was really uh, uh, what, uh, what we miss uh, most about the holidays. And over the past couple of years, there have been uh, less of that, so I know everyone's uh, looking forward to gathering this year. Well, you're a father of three. Uh, your son was here earlier walking yeah. down with you. What memories do you have other than what you've just mentioned? I mean, the last few years have been very difficult for so many people, obviously with the pandemic. You two were affected. Uh, the beard is gone. Quickly, is the beard coming back ever again? No, people the beard is, is gray and white, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, my kids uh, like me uh, looking uh, a little younger. What memories do you have of your father that you bring back with your children? Oh, assembling toys. I remember my dad staying up late trying to figure out how to assemble little things that uh, that were supposed to be easy that he uh, uh, he struggled with and now I'm I'm doing the same thing uh, you, you know giving the presents and and spending the rest of the day uh, uh, putting them together unless it's Lego at which point we put it together all together well we have sitting next to you Commissioner Tibb from the Salvation Army you have a question for the Prime Minister and welcome thank you Prime Minister 
you are well aware, the Salvation Army serves in over 400 communities across Canada. I'd be really interested in your thoughts, your viewers. How can the Salvation Army continue to assist you and your government in supporting families during these very challenging times? Well, I mean, one of the things we've seen over the past couple of years, which have been difficult for so many people, uh, is communities coming together, organizations coming together, neighbors helping neighbors. It really has been the best of Canadians that we've seen through difficult times. Uh, and unfortunately, even though we're through the worst of COVID, um, this year's really tough for people, uh, whether it's you know, groceries, inflation, interest rates, uh, people really worried. And that's where organizations like the Salvation Army, but also individual Canadians stepping up to be generous, to be present, to be there for each other is how we get through this. And certainly as a government, we support organizations like yours, but we're also trying to uh, help people directly because sticking together isn't just the right thing to do, it's also how we make sure we come through the difficult times in the best possible way. Well, thank you again for your continued partnership and support of the Salvation Army and your government, but also to Canadians all across Canada who regularly support the Salvation Army and our work across 400 communities. So thank you. Thank you. One final question before you go. Um, obviously, it's been a tough year for a lot of people. People aren't always kind to one another, and you notice that, I'm sure, in the job that you do. What advice do you have to kids, especially this time of year, who it's not necessarily a happy time, and sometimes this can be a tough time for kids and adults? Well, actually, the reality is what we see more than just about anything else is Canadians being kind to each other, being uh, generous, being thoughtful. That's how we made it through these past couple of years, by being there for each other, by supporting each other, by uh, knowing that we're going to get through it. And that that's something that matters. But yeah, people have been uh, uh, facing you know, increase in discrimination, increase in, in uh, mental health challenges. We need to make sure we're there for each other. We're certainly trying to do our part as a government, but Canadians will stick together and be, make it through. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, we want to thank you for joining us once again. Fourth time that you've done this. It's a tradition now, a CTV tradition. We want to thank you, and uh, you're a very busy man. A lot of people want to talk to you. And uh, we're going to send it back to Lindsay over in the weather department here at Oakville Place. Well, that was a wonderful interview, and I just want to mention that if you're watching at home right now and you want to drop off some new unwrapped toys, just like our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau did minutes ago, you can find locations on our website at toymountain.ca. Click on Toronto, you'll find locations there, or you could make an online donation. You know, we had a very interesting celebrity donation made uh, just the other day from Martin Short. How wonderful is that? So great to be celebrating with our fellow Canadians and helping so many families families in need. Of course, we also have to talk about the weather while we're here. I'll let you know that weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Overnight tonight, it is going to be chilly. Bundle up if you're going to be heading out and about. Minus 6 degrees is the forecast low, but it's going to feel like minus 12. Into the day tomorrow, our temperature a little bit warmer. We're going to enjoy some sunshine to start things off. Then the cloud cover increases, and then heading into the day on Sunday, things get a little more active. So here's your traveler's forecast. If you have to be doing any shopping or visiting some family and friends, just be aware that it could snow in the morning and then we could have some messier wet weather in the afternoon. Here's the forecast radar increase in cloud cover. There's overnight into Sunday. It, the snow is going to be happening on and off throughout the day. Maybe some mixing or some rain near the shoreline of Lake Ontario and then it clears out into the day on Monday. This is your seven-day forecast. Sunshine again by Monday. Lots of it on Tuesday and then maybe 
maybe some active weather by the middle part of next week. We are here live in Oakville. We are building a mountain of toys and we have another wonderful donation that we want to talk about here. You're joining us from Hallmark? Yep, we're from Hallmark. We have six locations located in Hamilton, Burlington, Oakville, upstairs, uh, Mississauga, Milton and Brampton. That's so wonderful. Thank you for this. Would you like to share what it is that you're donating? So we have uh, just over $13,000. Amazing, a $13,000 donation. Thank you so much. You are helping families right here in the GTA have a wonderful Christmas. And Nathan and Michelle, it's a really special night here in Oakville. We've got lots more to come, but for now, we're going to send it back inside to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Ten years ago, he captured hearts around the globe, a posh primate found in an Ikea parking lot amid holiday shoppers. Just ahead, how Darwin the Ikea monkey is doing all these years later. Remember the Ikea monkey? How could you forget the little guy found in an Ikea parking lot sporting the tiniest shearling coat? That was 10 years ago today, and tonight our Scott Lightfoot has an update on how Darwin is doing a decade later. It was a cell phone photo taken by a shopper in disbelief. There was a group of people around and a little thing on the ground. At first, I didn't know what kind of animal it was or what it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a monkey. Several people saw the monkey outside a North York Ikea on December 9th, 2012, dressed in a shearling coat and seemingly alone. How did it get there? Was it Christmas shopping? It's the kind of story a local news reporter can only dream of. How many times has this happened to you? You head out to do a little shopping with your well-dressed pet monkey. Suddenly, you and your tiny friend get separated. Okay, actually, that's never happened to you or me or most people, uh -huh. but it appears to have happened to someone today. Nicknamed the Ikea monkey, his fame went far beyond the city limits. He quickly became an international sensation. Do you think the monkey was wearing this coat, or do you think the monkey picked up this coat at Ikea? Yeah. But as his style was celebrated, his story began to come out. And as strange as a monkey in a coat at a Swedish furniture store might be, that story only got more bananas from there. Mother and son brushing teeth, getting ready for bed. His name was Darwin. He was a seven-month-old Japanese macaw, and he was owned by a Toronto woman who dressed him up, put him in a diaper, and treated him like a child. These are his clothes that I bought for Christmas, and uh, he's called off for the new year and I want him back. On the day he was spotted, he'd been taken to the store by his owner and managed to escape from their car when he wasn't allowed inside. After he was found at Ikea, he ended up at Toronto Animal Services and then the Storybrooke Animal Sanctuary. He also became the centre of an extensive legal battle, a custody case of sorts, with his former owner trying to get him back. Does he look abused to you? Did he look an abused monkey to you? In the end, the courts decided Darwin deserved to grow up in the animal sanctuary where he'd been placed and the place where he still lives today. He's, he's playing, he's choosing to go indoors or out when he wants to. Um, he has the freedom to make choices for himself. Now a 10-year-old, Darwin has grown up with other, less famous primates and without trips to Ikea. And despite being an international celebrity, he lives a fairly ordinary life. In the morning, um, they get um, a small breakfast of fresh fruits and vegetables. And then they're free to do whatever they like. A decade after he hit the news, Darwin looks older and bigger than he did on that day. But hey, don't we all? And while he may not remember the monkey business that led to his celebrity, it's a story people still talk about to this day. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News.
Actors Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney are continuing their work to rebuild a Welsh soccer club, and they received a special visit today from the King and Queen. We'll do anything to uplift and, and, and elevate this community and this club, and uh, having uh, the King pay a visit is, uh, is certainly one way to do it. The two actors bought the soccer team Wrexham AFC, and they've been filming their efforts to redevelop the squad. The Royals stopped by to learn more and wish them hope for their success. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. A thrilling day at the World Cup in Qatar. Two nail-biter matches that ended with penalty shootouts. Who's moving on after the break? Sun for Saturday, but some snow for Sunday. Here's a look at your weekend forecast. And yes, we could end up picking up a couple of centimeters around the GTA. Could be a little bit of a mix as well. Stay with us. Your forecast recap is coming up. It's very scary. And when I set out this morning at about 8 o'clock, that's all I could think about. Updating our top stories, TTC commuters in the West End say they're anxious taking public transportation following a brazen attack yesterday. Two women were stabbed at High Park Station, one fatally. Police have a man in custody. A lot of our business relies on walk-ins and people walking through. Frustration is growing for business owners surrounded by the construction of the Eglinton Crosstown LRT. After 11 years of work, a new leaked document to City Council says Metrolinx may not have a credible plan to complete the project. At one time, we were over the $2 a litre, you know. So it's pretty good, anyway. Some relief for drivers across the GTA as the price of gas continues to drop to the lowest cost seen in a year, about a buck 36. It's expected to drop another two cents tomorrow. Remember to follow us on social media. Keep up to date day and night through our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. And if ever you have a news tip, photos, or video of breaking news, let us know. On the markets, the loonie was down about a third of a cent to 73.27 U.S. Oil closes at 71.2 cents U.S. of barrel. And the TSX lost 22 points to end the day at 19,947. With his new strong mayor powers in hand, Mayor John Tory has announced a new housing action plan for the city. Tory says the goal is to meet or exceed a provincial target of 285,000 new homes built over the next decade. Proposed changes include allowing multiplexes on all residential lots and changing density rules in some neighborhoods. The mayor's action plan will be debated at city council next week, where he'll need support of just one third of council to pass it. Soccer fans, the World Cup just got a lot more interesting tonight. He needs to score this. Marquinhos, oh, he's missed! Brazil are out! Croatia moves on to the semis after an absolute stunner over the top-seeded Brazilians. The match needed penalty kicks after the two squads played to a draw after 120 minutes. Croatia, the 2018 finalists, ending Brazil's tournament hopes with drama. Lautaro Martinez, Argentina march on! Up next for Croatia, Argentina, which passed through after a nail-biter that also went to penalty kicks following an improbable two-goal comeback from the Dutch. Lionel Messi and team, though, too much for the Netherlands. They play Tuesday at 2 p.m.
The Raptors are in Orlando tonight for a weekend doubleheader. Pelicans, they've won four in a row, and now only a half game back. Toronto's coming off a blowout win over L.A., thanks in part to Fred Van Vliet's 25-point night. The Raps sit seventh in the East, while the Magic are the worst team in the league. The first of the two goes tonight, just after seven. Tonight, a warning about a seasonal scam. And if you can see, there's a fake barcode on that. The advice on how to protect against bogus holiday gift cards. That story and more later on CTV National News. And a reminder, the CTV News at 6 podcast is available as a download every weeknight. And you can also listen to the newscast live on News Talk 1010. Toronto is one of the most vibrant, diverse, and interesting cities on the planet. We're a world leader in many areas like business, finance, technology, entertainment, and culture. Each week, Things to Know TO shines a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA that are working to make our city even greater. And one of the world's best places to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO. Well, this is how you cap off the work week. Yeah, so many people showing so much generosity. Let's check in with Lindsay Morrison with a check on how things are going there. Lindsay. Well, Nathan and Michelle, it has been such a wonderful night. We are here in Oakville. We are building a toy. And Andrea, you had a wonderful conversation with our Prime Minister. I did have a wonderful conversation with the Prime Minister, but I also got to meet Lindsay's mother and grandmother tonight. So that was also a big thrill, Lindsay. Your family's fantastic. Thank you. That was pretty cool. Uh, speaking of wonderful people, we want to introduce you to one more group here. We have a new year joining us from? Kenan Corey and Logistics Milton. And we also have over here? Abby Star Consult. And what brought you out tonight? We just had to support Salvation Army and Italian Mountain and... Um, we believe what we can be doing this every year with you guys. So we're happy to be here. Thank you so much for being here and for everything that you're contributing to help us build this toy mountain. If you're watching at home and you're wondering, how can I be a part of this? Because it's pretty fun to be a part of Toy Mountain, wouldn't you say? There are lots of different ways that you can help. Head to toy.mountain, pardon me, toymountain.ca. Click on Toronto and you'll find all of the details there. You can also share your photos of you making donations. Yeah. That's at toy.mountain at bellmedia.ca. And of course, you can also drop off a toy at many malls. Just go to the website, find out where you can drop off a toy. Oakville Place, of course, is one of the places. A lot of the Ford dealerships, you can do it there. You still have time to help us build a mountain of toys. Well, it's been a wonderful night. We're going to send it back inside to you, Nathan and Michelle. Good night. Good night. Good night, Lindsay night, and night. Andrea. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for us. We want to tell you to be sure to join John Venavalli Rao tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Austin Delaney with our next local newscast. That's at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and Andrea and all of us here at CTV News and to everyone who donated as well, thank you so much for watching. Have a wonderful weekend.